first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Hi, and welcome to the program. I'm Jerry Ors, reporting for Kids First, and today we're going to be covering a lot of great movies and shows. But first, we have two very special guests on today. They are Felix Yambor and Jojo Trahis, 13 years old from Melbourne, 12 years old from Melbourne, respectively. And they are from Funky Kids Radio, Australia's first 24-7 kids-friendly radio station. It's an honor to have you guys on so let's just get started. Uh, Jojo, can you talk a little bit about the video show and what you do on it? Well, on Primary Perspectives, we have a lot of different segments like Reading Matters and we cover a lot of ground. <laughs> we also, like, we interview a lot of different people from around the world and um, we share a lot of stories about different things that are happening in the world as well. You know, I love it that this is by Kids for Kids, just like Kids First Radio Show is, and it's really wonderful that you guys are doing this. Something that I was really interested in when I was uh, looking into the show is the audiobooks that you guys do, and something in- also interesting is that the Australian Google Assistant, Google Home, when you ask it to tell me a story, it would actually read those children's audiobooks. So, Felix, can you talk a little bit about those audiobooks? I know both of you have written and narrated several, so can you talk a little bit about your experience with those? Yeah, sure. It was great fun to do that sort of story writing. Uh, it was like really different from actually doing the radio and it was really fun, like getting into character and being different. Like I know it was very Australian themed and so being different Australian bush animals and stuff is really fun. So, yeah. Again, I know I'm repeating myself. I just love this so much that it's by kids for kids. And Jojo, can you talk a little bit about how you got into this and uh, how other kids could get into this as well if they wanted to? Well, my sister won a competition for her singing, and so the prize was to be interviewed by Primary Perspective, actually Music Matters, which is the other radio station segment. And so um, every time she got interviewed, they asked her to actually join the team because they liked how she sounds and how confident she was. So I would always just wait for her outside the studio to finish up so we could just go home. And then one day they asked me if I would like to have a go at doing some stingers and just some little bits and pieces. And I was like, yeah, of course. And from there, they asked me to start hosting some shows. And I've been doing that for a while now, which is pretty good. And Felix, how about you? How did you get started? I honestly don't really remember. We had, I think it was from like a family friend who had like connections to the producer. And so I just popped on to see how it went. But I've introduced uh, several other people to the show as well. You know, I kind of have the same thing. When people ask me how I got into Kids First, it takes me a second to remember. It's been that long. My memory is just absolutely terrible. Yeah, I've been been doing it for like four years. So, you know, memory gets a bit hazy. Yeah, time really does fly by. Absolutely. And Jojo, Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the people you've interviewed that you both interviewed on the Primary Perspective show and some interesting uh, stories from that? Well, we have interviewed authors and a lot of like inventors as well, and many and musicians and many more. One of my favorites that we've interviewed is Morris Gladsman. When we got to interview the author, because I've read a lot of his books, 
And we've also interviewed a lot of people who are a part of the Jane Goodall Foundation. And they like tell us a lot about like how everything is going, like all their research and um, things like that. And we've just interviewed like pretty much every single person from every area, just everything like that. It, that's something I really like about the show, that it's so varied. It's not just limited to one thing. Everybody can enjoy it. And I also absolutely love that it's geared to kids, as Kids First Radio Show is. I also want to talk a little bit more about critiquing films, because Felix and Jojo both saw Abominable. So, Felix, let's start with you. Can you just talk a bit overall, what did you think of Abominable? I thought Abominable was a really quality movie. Uh, my first impressions, like right off the bat in the very first scene, I loved the animation. I thought it was a really interesting style. I thought the textures also of the animation were really good. Um, and it's really like amazing to if you like watch really old movies with those 2D sort of very flat animations. And then you look at these incredible newer films with just super high quality animation. I thought the music was also quite good. Uh, it was very fitting for the movie. It does, absolutely does seem like a great film, and based off what I heard from other kids here at the radio show, they'd absolutely love it. And Jojo, how about you? What did you think? I agree with the animation. It's just, it was pretty amazing just throughout. But I just really loved the look of all the characters as well, because they all just brought something different to the film that just really shaped it and made it something quite unique and original, which was really good. And the storyline was amazing. Well, I'm glad to hear it was very solid. And... Just like everything else we're talking about here, it is a kids' film meant for kids. So, Jojo, how do you think it would appeal to kids? Do you think that the age range is good for kids? I think the age range is pretty good for really young kids because even if there are a few maybe that come across as scary, just the creature itself just makes it really cute at the same time. So I think the age range can go from as young as, like, one years old to however old like a teenager even an adult like my mom really liked it as well you know when i was watching the trailer and based off what i've seen from everybody else watching the trailer the first thing they say is oh my god that ice monster thing is adorable and i want a plushie of it so i definitely (laughs) can agree with that and felix what do you think of the age range for the film i think there was a very consistent theme in this movie that is consistent with a lot of other animated films as well which was a theme of like home and belonging um, which is really good for for young kids. And it's definitely consistent with that animation genre. So um, I think it was definitely a good fit for kids. That's really good to hear. And Jojo, I'd also love to kind of start talking about what you guys do outside of the radio show because you do a lot of amazing things in school and outside of school in general. So can you talk a little bit about your uh, extracurricular activities and how you got started with those? Well, outside of school and like the radio, I do a lot of dancing and I do piano as well. So I do dancing three times a week and piano obviously once a week. And also in school, I do a lot of sport and like um, lunchtime clubs and activities, which is really good because it just widens my knowledge about anything pretty much. Well, I can very much respect that. And how about you, Felix? Uh, I've been playing guitar for coming on eight years now. So that's like my extracurricular activity. I also play uh, basketball, uh, almost definitely not to the level that you guys play in the United States, but, you know, um, <laughs> you can't really. Oh, don't worry, you still play much more than me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my sort of like sports and musical prowess and stuff. 
Well, you both are very accomplished. Thank you guys so much for talking to me today. Although we have to get let you go for the audience, you can still hear them on their radio show, Funky Kids Radio. Definitely check them out. They have some amazing segments and shows, and I absolutely recommend them. Before we continue, I just also wanted to mention that Kids First Film Critics from this radio show, Arjun and Ivy, are actually on their show. So definitely check that out. It's going to be very interesting to hear them talk to some of our fellow critics. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Right now, we just finished talking to a few youth reporters from Funky Kids, and now we're going to be talking to the founder of School Broadcasting Network, which runs that radio show and a lot of other amazing shows. What we have on Beyond Mashan. Beyond, how are you doing today? Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. So can you talk a little bit about the shows that your network has? Because it is just really expansive, and I love how varied it is. Well, I guess start from the beginning. The School Broadcasting Network is a registered charity here in Australia, and that is the production network behind the shows, obviously, that are produced for both terrestrial and online. So the Funky Kids Radio uh, is an online station, uh, obviously global. We have a lot of listeners in America, actually, and across the world, Japan, Europe, um, Asia. So that is owned by the School Broadcasting Network, and that's a 24-7 online specialty children's radio station. So it's broadcasting uh, stories and music and articles and things suitable for younger audience. So I guess preschoolers through to tweens in particular. And then we produce radio shows for terrestrial stations here in Australia through uh, what's known as the Community Radio Network, Uh, our main show being Primary Perspectives, which um, I think we're having a reciprocal chat with some of your team uh, very shortly that we'll be going through on the Funky Kids Hour, and that also is part of Primary Perspectives, which is our national show that goes out to stations all over Australia and four times a week on Funky Kids Radio. You know, I was telling Felix and Jojo this, I just, I am so happy that this show exists, that you have so many different topics and interests for kids to enjoy and to really learn about. And something I found very interesting is that you're going to be releasing an album with all the audiobooks, the kids' audiobooks that you can find online now. Can you talk a little bit about that and where people listening can find it? Oh, that's a lot of fun, actually. Um, Google contacted us last year and asked us to partner in creating, exclusively creating a a whole batch of unique Aussie tales for their Google Home Assist uh, Tell Me a Story platform. I believe you have the same sort of platform there in America. Basically, you can say, hey, Google, tell me a story and it'll play you, you know, a story about a kangaroo, for instance. You could ask for a story about a kookaburra or, you know, obviously it's got various keywords. So we created um, 20 bespoke Aussie tales, uh, most of them completely unique. Some of them retakes on old classics like Goldilocks and the Three Koalas uh, instead of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. and uh, But most of them are completely unique stories and our team were part of creating writing, doing the voice acting, the rating, etc. And those stories were released last year on Google Home uh, to about 100,000 subscribers, obviously growing every day. Uh, and we're now releasing them as an album, as a fundraiser for our charity uh, by Christmas this year. So that will be available on, uh, obviously, digital platforms, all 20 stories together. And, um, yeah, so it gives you a, a really, I suppose, iconic look at Australia. A lot of locations and animals and sort of concepts are included in them that are universal but fairly unique to Australia as well. 
And I think it's absolutely perfect that just like Kids First Radio is, it's geared towards kids and also made by kids. Well, sadly, that is all the time we have today. Thank you so much for talking to me. Lovely chatting with you, Jerry. And we hope that uh, your team will perhaps review our album before it comes out. That'd be awesome. We'd absolutely love to. For our audience, definitely check it. Check out the album when it comes out. You can find a lot of those audiobooks right now online. I gave a few of them a listen. They're absolutely adorable, and kids will definitely love them. Let's take Thanks, a break. Jerry. Of course. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 2, Volume 1. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orr, supporting for Kids First, and we just finished talking to Jojo and Felix from Funky Kids Radio, and now we're going to be switching gears back to our film critics, and we're going to be talking with Bibi and Natalia about Backyard Wilderness 3D. So, Natalia... This seemed like a really, really beautiful film. It's uh, one of those big, big picture documentaries that you see in like the science centers around the country on giant, giant screens. And I just want to know, Natalia, even if it is a big picture, is it still a good documentary? It is. It's a very, very actually inspiring documentary and very intriguing. And my reasons behind that is because it's about nature and I love nature. And even if you don't enjoy nature and you don't get to see it a lot, it was very inspiring because I don't get, I don't, usually I'm on my phone or using any electronics surrounding me and I don't really get a look outside what surrounds me, which is really nature and how, what, 
what environments certain type of animals live around. So it was inspiring to get to know that I could just take a break from electronics and get outside. You know, I absolutely love this recent increase of nature documentaries that are going for big cinematic presentations of our world. So I'm really glad this one did it. And can you talk a little bit about what it shows? Because based off what I read about it, it's not, you know, like planet Earth going to the African jungles. It's something a little bit closer to us than that. Yeah, Backyard Wilderness will surprise and entertain many viewers with the unexpected wonders of nature that are right under our noses in our own backyards. I mean, it's spanning a seasonal year-round, a suburban home that actually the film creators live in, and the film displays a stunning, intriguing array of unique wildlife images and behavior and shows us how... They grow up, how they find their food, how they take care of their children. And it's all captured by cameras mounted inside dents and nested. So it was pretty cool. You know, I love that concept so much. And I just want to remind the audience, when we're talking about cameras mounted in dents, we're talking about massive cameras the size of small uh, Jeeps. So it's a really impressive feat that they're able to capture this amazingly. Now, uh, Natalia, my next question for you is, what do you think of the length? Because I was very surprised to see it's only 42 minutes long. Yeah, you know, I was a little uh, uncertain about how the film will be able to express all those creatures and their living behaviors in just that short amount of time. But actually, it was pretty well. And I recently watched another documentary and I was suspicious about the length of the short film as well. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get a lot out of it. But it just drew some suspense out of me and a little bit of suspense grew over here wondering a little more questions about the animals but I don't know how but the director seemed to put everything covered all my questions that were most important about all these creatures really cool and my favorite part would have to be able to see how the salamanders go make their migrate all the way from far to far places so it really did show a lot in the most important questions that you can ever wonder about these creatures in your own backyard in that time zone. That's really interesting. And baby, I'd love to know from you, what do you think of the length of this documentary? I think it's really, I think it's okay, but I wish it would have been longer because I liked it so much. You know, I can definitely agree with that. I often feel when a documentary is shorter like this, 42 minutes, I want to see more of it. And, BB, do you think there was something specifically missing, or did you just want to see more covered? I kind of wanted to see... So, there was a part where the baby ducks left out of the tree, and I wanted to see where they went, because it didn't really explain much about that. I can understand that, especially because if it is baby ducks, we all want to see a lot of baby ducks. I mean, (laughs) it's just absolutely wonderful to see those. And I'm glad to see that they're able to capture that on, again, a big screen. It's absolutely amazing that they make documentaries like this. And, Bibi, do you think that it allows us to learn more about our environments? Like, do you think it captures an educational point of view? Yes. um, It really, like, tells you about everything that's going on in your backyard without you even knowing it, especially if you live near a wood like I do. You know, I recommend to people just listening to this, take some time, a couple of hours, and just stare out your window. It's amazing what you'll see happen outside, just in a few trees and bushes in your backyard. Nature is really everywhere. And, BB, how many stars would you give this documentary and why? Um, Probably a five out of five. I just loved it so much. It was really adorable and interesting and educational. 
It absolutely yes. seems to be. And Natalia, how about you? How many stars would you give this documentary? I definitely, without no doubt, no question, a five out of five stars. I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm very glad to hear it. And this documentary does seem extraordinary. I'm going to be checking it out myself. You can find information about where to see it at BackyardWildernessFilm.com. That is BackyardWildernessFilm.com. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and now we're going to be switching gears from talking about Backyard Wilderness 3D to talking about the current war with Abraham. And the current war is about a period of history I think is grossly underappreciated in film, but Abraham, I'll let you talk about it. Can you tell us a little bit about the current war and also what you thought of it? The current war centers around Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse and their battle over the control of electricity in America. And it also involves Nikola Tesla and his development of the motor. And, well, the generator, rather. I, I didn't really like this movie. It didn't capture much about the film, and it was all over the place, and it was way too short to establish much about what was going on as well. Well, first, I'd like to kind of uh, top on the historical aspect of it, because, of course, this took place in the early 20th century, I want to say, which means that you're going to have a lot of historical references, and do you think it was very accurate? Overall, I thought it was accurate, but you couldn't really see much of the. You couldn't really establish much of the landscape because it told you the exact dates of everything that was going on. And as far as I could tell, everything was historically accurate, though. Okay, and you said it was all over the place. I'd love to know what exactly was it that was all over the place. It just tonally, since this movie was delayed for two years due to reshoots, I felt that since they kept some of the things from the original and some things that they reshot, obviously, that they couldn't capture a singular tone. It was just, oh, this is the emotion that's going on right now. But then we immediately snap over to something else that's completely different and doesn't relate that much. Mm, Seems like this film really got chopped up in the editing room, and that does happen quite a lot when films get tied up, like you said, for two years it got tied up, and that's really sad to see. But overall, would you say the story is still understandable to the audience? Yes, you can definitely understand what's going on. That's good. And what would you say it's entertaining, or do you think it's too noticeable that the editing is a bit of a mess? I don't know how to, pick, to put that. I, I guess it's entertaining, but I don't think it achieves the goal it was meant to. I don't think it brings people... It doesn't, it doesn't inform people about what it needs to inform them about, and it's just two people arguing over who gets control over electricity in America. Mm. You know, for topics like this where it does, just like saying that seems very simple, there definitely needs to be a lot of skill in the filmmaking to really over-appreciate and really understand the depth of it. And I'm sad to see the film didn't seem to capture that very much. But overall, how many stars would you give it? I would give this film two and a half stars out of five. It's all over the place and it's, it's totally inconsistent, but the... The, the camera work is absolutely amazing, though, and I'd, I have to give it that. I do want to ask about the acting because we have some notable, notable names, including, I believe, Benedict Cumberbatch. So was the acting good, too? The acting was good. It's Benedict Cumberbatch being Benedict Cumberbatch, and it does, it, I, I don't feel it separates himself from other roles he has done, unfortunately, and that is kind of sad to see, in my opinion. 
I would agree. That is very sad to see. But he can really capture a lot of unique roles, like just comparing a couple of his roles from recent films, and you'll see so much difference. So very sad to see they weren't able to do that in this film, especially because it is about people who are so very interesting. Now, would you want to see more historical films, or do you think this one kind of ruined the style and kind of the concept of historical films? Oh, this this film definitely does not ruin the concept of period pieces and historical films. I would still definitely love to see them. I mean, I've heard great things about Downton Abbey, and I am hoping to see that at some point. But this is this this is just a bump in the road and doesn't affect much. But yeah, well. For the audience, if you'd still like to check it out, it's going to be in theaters on October 25th. And also, we talked about Downtown Abbey on this radio show, so make sure to check out those segments too if you're interested in that. But, Abraham, thank you so much for talking to me on The Current War. For our audience, we're going to take a break. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 2, Volume 1. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Funky Kids Radio, Backyard Wilderness, and The Current War, and right now we will be talking with Bibi and Celine about Cat in the Hat Knows a Lot About That, Season 3, Volume 2. Hello, guys! Hi! Hi! All right, so, uh, Bibi, how about you tell us a little bit about this series and the plots and stuff? Well, first of all, it is an educational show that teaches you about um, real-life things you need to know 
at the same time in imaginary worlds. And you'll learn about um, your five senses, what it's like to walk on clouds, and why keeping it simple is sometimes the best solution. Oh, so is this like, so is this sort of like a scientific educational show? A little bit, um, but it's more like funny and bubbly, but it teaches you about science stuff, and it also teaches you a little bit more fun stuff like how to be the best at hide and seek and your five senses at the same time, like using your five, five senses to find the person you're seeking. That was one of my my favorite episodes. Ah, I see. So, Celine, as this is a show about the cat in the hat, arguably one of the most recognizable uh, children's book characters, how do you feel about this specific interpretation, like, the this specific interpretation of the characters? Well, I really loved the characters in this um, movie, especially the cat in the hat, who's played by the one and only Martin Short, as we all know, and... Alexa Torrington, who voices Sally, and Jacob Iwanik, who plays the role of Nick. So, um, actually, speaking of the voice actors, BB, how did you feel about the uh, voice cast in the series? Well, of course, Martin Short did amazing. But um, Alexa Torrington, I think she sounded really cute and young, as Sally is, and same for... Um, I forget how to pronounce his last name, but Jacob. The voice actor of Nick, as previously mentioned? Yes. Ah. Well, that's always good to hear. Now, as BB mentioned, this is a little bit more of a lighthearted, bubbly series. So, Celine, was it, would you say it was a very comedic series? I feel like it was a little mix of both, of, like, comedic and bubbly and happy and in each episode, it would teach, like, a different thing. So maybe one episode could be about science, another would be about, like, bubbly. It would teach you about many different things, which was really good. And I experienced this, and I had so much fun watching this that I even forgot that I was, like, learning about the world around me. So I feel that when people watch this, they'll feel the same thing. Well, that's especially good to hear, especially with, like, educational program, because I feel like edutainment stuff kind of runs the risk of being, like, bland and pandering. So are you basically saying that, like, it doesn't fall into that category? Yeah, it's, like, not boring. It, like, teaches you, but in a fun way. Like, it never gets boring. Well, that's good to hear. Now, Bibi, as this is an animated uh, series, how do you feel about the animation I love it. It looks just like the original Cat in the Hat books, but of course they're moving around because it's a series and not a book, but they did a really good job of getting the old um, style that Cat, that Dr. Seuss did when he wrote the books. Basically, like, you feel it really recaptures, like, the Dr. Seuss style. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's very important in a... In a, in a show like this. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking about Funky Kids Radio, Backyard Wilderness, and the current war. And right now, we're talking about Cat in the Hat Knows a Lot About That, 
with Celine and BB. So, BB, what would you say is your favorite episode in this series? I really like holes. It's about like why stuff fits in different holes and like it talks about just kind of that stuff and they go to a fun house and they have to walk along these floors that have holes in them and so, uh, like thing one and thing two fell, fell through because they're so tiny but the cat in the hat didn't and then yeah and so the the same question what was your favorite episode my favorite episode is all sorts of things which teaches kids that there are different ways to sort and categorize the things that belong to anything. Like, it's about where Nick and Sally, they have an argument about where, like, to put Nick's toy. Because Sally wants to put it in a different bin, while Nick wants to put it in a different bin. So, the cat in the hat takes them to a world where they learn and they sort things. And, yeah. Now, from what you guys are describing, it sounds as though, like, this series goes through many different kinds of interesting and unique locations. BB, uh, what did you feel about, like, the sort of, like, world that the series takes place in the sets? I really liked how they go to the, all these, like, imaginative worlds, but it's not just, like, imaginative. There's a lot of mechanical worlds, like, for example, the fun house I was talking about earlier. That's nice to hear, because um, I love it when series go through, like, many different types of locations and sort of, like, you can... I really love it when these places get really creative. Yeah, they really do. Mm-hmm. So, also, um, the series, from what you've described, seems to be uh, mostly educational. But, Celine, did it ever really get any deeper than that? Like, did it really... Like, how did you feel about sort of, like, the way it was teaching people? I really liked the way it was teaching you, because, like I mentioned before, it teaches you without even noticing. Like, you're having a great time, and you're really learning stuff, and then the next minute, you know something, and you've learned something, which I think is really good. Of course, because as I mentioned earlier, like, Edutainment doesn't really have the best reputation because it's always seen as sort of like, you know, pandering, like not really that deep. But I feel like I feel like it's real. like when there's a really good like edutainment show that manages to be that's interesting and also manages to teach people. I feel like that's kind of people really don't appreciate good edutainment, unfortunately. Now, BB, what did you like? Would you say you had, like, a favorite moment? Like, not fa- like not really favorite episode, but, like, a favorite moment. Oof. My favorite, my favorite moment is in this one episode called You're It. Is where, um... So Sally's trying to find Nick, but she can't. And as I mentioned earlier, they learn about their five senses. And one of the moments is where they're trying to find this, like, animal. I forget what it's called, because... They have all those crazy names in Dr. Seuss stuff. But um, and there's a whole tribe of them, and they're trying to find it using their five senses. And that's probably my favorite moment. Mm. And what would you say is the star rating and age rating of the series? So I thought I'd give it a four and a half out of five stars because I love Dr. Seuss movies, the old-fashioned type, a lot. 
but I still love this show, and I think it's really fun. And what about the age rating? Probably a two to nine. All right, then. Well, thank you guys both for talking to me about the series. Thank you. Let's take a break. I'm Callista Bess from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 2, Volume 1. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Bess from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Funky Kids Radio, Backyard Wilderness, The Current War, and Cat in the Hat, Season 3, Volume 2. And next, we will be talking with Leandro about Abominable. Welcome to the show, Leandro. Hi, thank you for having me. So, how about, first of all, you give us a brief explanation of this movie. So, this movie is about a girl named Yi that finds an adorable Yeti, and they set off on a journey to find his family and go to his home. All right. So, uh, as this is a DreamWorks animated film, how was the animation? Um, I love the animation. It was really good. I loved how they, like, the style of it. It was really cool. Yeah, I think this might honestly be, like, just visually, this might be one of my favorite-looking DreamWorks films, because I haven't seen it yet, but I have seen a lot of promotional material for it, and it does look pretty interesting, although maybe that's just because I'm a sucker for anything that involves magic. So, how were, how would you, how were the characters in this film? The characters were really good, they're really, they're really likable, they're really funny, too. 
Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite character? My favorite character is probably Pang because he's really funny and he's just really like hyper and like outgoing. And it's really fun to see him on screen. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, when it comes to animated films, a character is only one half of it because characters, of course, are brought to life by the voice actors. So what did you think of the voice acting in this film? I thought the voice acting was great in this film. It was really good. Um, it really brought the character to life. And yeah. Do you have a favorite voice actor or voice performance, I should say? Probably Yi, because she had a lot of like character development. And the voice actor, Chloe Bennett, uh, did a great job with her, putting like a lot of depth into the character. Mm-hmm. That's always nice to hear. Now, from what I can tell, this movie seems to be sort of like an adventure through the, I believe it was the Himalayas Mountains. So what did you sort of feel about like the environments and the locations that this film takes you through? The environments and the locations were really cool. They traveled like all through China, so they passed through landmarks. And it was like really fun seeing all these landmarks in this movie. Now, also, one thing, one thing in particular that has sort of stood out to me is sort of the emphasis put on violin music. And this is, a, this is specifically important to me because I have a violinist friend, and one of my memories of seeing the trailers is her sort of, like, paying attention to how they animated the violin. So how, how is sort of the music, how is the music in this film, specifically uh, anything relating to violin? The music was great. It really fit the tone of the movie. Um, it was really like if it it was really emotional at times. But then it got like really lighthearted. It was just so it was so good, and the violin music was great as well. That's nice to hear. Now, did you have a favorite scene in this film? Let's see. There's a lot of good scenes in this movie. It's probably when um, the Yeti Everest, um, prop like when he's sl- like sledding through the, um, like kind of like surfing and sledding through the grass, and the grass just comes over them like a big wave. And it was just a really cool scene in the animation, and there was really great. Well, that's nice to hear. Now, as sort of like has become sort of the norm nowadays. This film is sort of like a blend of, you know, lighthearted adventure and more emotional beats. So would, so would you say this film got more emotional than you originally expected? Yeah, it really, like, talked about, like, heavy, like, heavy, like, plot points, like, um, Yi's father dying. And that was, like, really emotional, kind of, because someone died. And... There's a lot of moments of them doubting themselves, but then they never gave up, so, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's good to hear, because, you know, I feel like it's really important when, especially an animated film, can really, you know, go that, go to that area and untouch on something that's a bit darker. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today... We are talking about Funky Kids Radio, Backyard Wilderness, The Current War, and Cat in the Hat, Season 3, Volume 2. And right now, I'm talking with Leandro about Abominable. 
You know, many animated films nowadays sort of go for a mix of humor and emotional elements. And as I just talked about the emotional elements, what what did you sort of think of the more humorous elements in this film? It was really funny. It had a lot of, like, funny moments. There's um, a blueberry scene where blueberries just came crashing down on them, and it was really funny. And they're all in slow motion. Would you consider that the funniest scene in the film? Yeah, I think that was probably, like, the funniest part of the movie. Because they kept, like, running, and it was, like, slow motion. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> it was really funny. Ah, I see. So, what would you say is sort of the message of this film? I think the message of this film is, like, to not give up on, like, what you're doing. And just keep going forward, like, no matter what comes your way. Because in this movie, like, they face a lot of, like, hardships. And, like, they come across, like, a lot of bad things. But they never stop. And they just keep going to Everest's home. And he gets there eventually. Well, that's nice to hear. Now, sort of, now, in my opinion, like, not to hate on DreamWorks or anything, but I feel like, I feel like uh, after the end of How to Train Your Dragon, I was kind of wondering, like, how is DreamWorks going to do? They're a very mixed bag in terms of, like, their sort of identity, because you have films that are a lot more humorous and films that can be quite deep and emotional. So compared to current DreamWorks films, how do you feel this film holds up? I feel this film is, like, really good. Like, it's not... Uh, comparing it to the other films, it's, like, like a step further because it was just so good. Also, this film is the last DreamWorks film of the 2010s. So I feel like also, like, you know, might as well might as well end off on a high note considering that there's been a lot of interesting films that have come out in this decade specifically in terms of DreamWorks films. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good to, like, end on a high note, like you said, instead of ending on, like, a low note, because if you did, then my, a lot of people might not see most DreamWorks films, but the others that come out in the future, um, I hope they're going to be good as, like, abominable. And speaking of the overall opinion on this film, how, what would you say is the star rating and age rating? I'll give this movie, like, a 5 out of 5, in my opinion. And the age rating, I'll say it's about 8 to 18 years old, but, like, adults would like it, too, because it's for, like, all ages. Well, that's good to hear. So, thank you for talking to me about Abominable. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworlds.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 2, Volume 1. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye! Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. 
Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.